Father, we just want to come to You now. Thank You that we can approach You at any moment. We can come to Your throne with boldness and that You are ever there ready to hear. So Lord, we come to You right now and we just want to empty out all the thoughts, all the cares, all the concerns. Just lay those at Your feet and ask that You would speak to us in this place this morning. Take over, Father. Speak to us through the power of Your Word. Give us just the message that You want us to hear this morning so that we can be drawn closer to Jesus. You've given everything in Christ. You've sacrificed everything so that we could have a relationship with You. How much more do You want just to share with us this morning? Lord, we pray that we would hear Your voice speaking. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I was born in Denver, Colorado. My dad and my mom went to some birthing classes there in the hospital in Denver. And my dad is a Denver Broncos fan. So you imagine how surprised and excited he was when he discovered that in the birthing class was a linebacker from the Denver Broncos. This was a little intimidating to the rest of the class. And actually, those who were teaching the class, they were telling him some different things, instructions, than they were the rest of those taking the class. The rest of the dads, they'd tell him, yeah, so at this point you need to, I don't know what happens in a birthing class, but massage your wife's shoulders, or you need to squeeze her hand, I don't know what all happens. But telling him these things, but then they would say to the linebacker, but you, don't squeeze too hard. <laughs> don't, don't rub the shoulders too hard. Don't be careful, don't injure your wife. Because this was a big guy, a linebacker, huge, intimidating guy. Interestingly enough, we were born, I should say me and this man's child, were born on the exact same day. So that day when they're there and my dad is carrying me around in the hospital. Can you imagine the pride that welled up in my dad's heart? as he carried around his baby, and then he looked over and he saw this linebacker, and this huge linebacker had his tiny little baby in his arms. You see, I weighed 10 pounds plus when I was born. I asked my mom, how long was I? She said something like 21 and a half inches, I think, I'm not sure. I was a, a large baby, you can thank my mom later, she's, I thanked her every birthday that I remember for what she's done for me. I was a large baby, and my dad was proud that here I came out as a big baby. We've talked about Jesus being born as a baby in the manger, the king of the universe, the one who had all power, the one who created everything, who knew every single star and every single creature throughout the vast realms of the universe. That creator, God, said, I'm going to become fully human, fully God and still fully human, a mystery we can't fully grasp. And yet, in that baby was combined divinity and humanity. That tiny baby. Maybe Jesus weighed more than I did, maybe less than I did, I'm not sure. But it's fascinating when you look at the story of Jesus as it's revealed in the Gospels. Because Luke chapter 2, we've been looking at, it has the most content about it. And Matthew adds a little bit more in that gets us maybe until Jesus is two years old at the most. Because when the wise men came, it says that Herod had the, the children that were killed up to two years of age. Uh, so it could be that Jesus was two years old at that point. 
Isn't it fascinating that from that point until Jesus is 12, there's virtual silence in the Bible. That's 10 years of Jesus as a little child on earth. 10 long years. Go with me to Luke chapter 2. And we're going to look at how Luke chapter 2 summarizes this part of Jesus' life. Luke chapter 2, and we'll pick it up in the middle of the chapter. Verse 39, this is right after the dedication. It says, So when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. So they were there in Bethlehem. That's where Jesus was born. But now they go back to Nazareth. And then verse 40. Okay, don't miss verse 40 because verse 40 captures 10 years of Jesus' life. Do you ever go back to your parents' house or maybe you inherited from your parents photo albums and videos of your life? Some of you may have parents who are a little bit more amped about that than other parents and you have volumes of videos and pictures about your life and all the details of different events in your life. There's a lot that goes on from the age of two years old until 12 years old, isn't there? Look at how the Bible summarizes those years in Jesus' life. Verse 40 continues, And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. That's it. Ten years summarized right there in those words. But yet there is a lot of power in these words. There's a lot of revelation about Jesus in these words. One, this tells us that Jesus experienced life just like you and I experienced life. What does it say? The child grew. I remember as I got a little bit older when I was finally cognizant of how long I actually was that I began to look around. My brother was taller than I was. My dad was taller than I was. And I didn't like that. I set goals in my life. I said, I'm going to be taller than my brother. I'm going to be taller than my dad. Then I went to first grade, and I still wasn't taller than my own brother or my own dad. But in first grade, there was this girl, Mary. And Mary was taller than me. In first grade, That was not cool at all. I did not like having a classmate taller than me. Eventually, I outgrew Mary, but then I got to third grade, and in third grade, the classroom was combined with fourth grade, and then there was Amy. Amy was a fourth grader, and Amy was taller than me. I did not like that. I kept trying to grow, trying to to get taller. Jesus grew. It tells us here. That's a phenomenal thing. The God of the universe became a baby and his physical stature actually went through what your physical body does in growing. Day by day, year by year, Jesus grew. He became strong. And then this, he was filled with wisdom. Wait a second. This is God in human flesh. He was filled with wisdom. Didn't he already have all the wisdom? Didn't he already have all the knowledge? This tells us that Jesus laid something down for your behalf. This tells us that though he had all the knowledge that was possible to have in the universe, he had omniscience, that he laid that aside as he became a baby for you. 
He grew in wisdom. Just like you and I have to learn, Jesus learned about life. He learned just like you did. He was filled with wisdom. Then what does it go on to say? And the grace of God was upon him. Wait a second. Okay, the grace of God was upon Jesus? How is that possible? Did Jesus, you're telling me that Jesus needed grace? Do you know that grace is a lot bigger than we often picture grace? We usually think of grace merely in terms of forgiveness. But that's mercy. So if you think of it like this, grace is this overarching favor of God in your life. When God gifts you with something that because of your humanity, you couldn't get on your own that God gives to you. And part of that is mercy. We need forgiveness. So grace is forgiveness, but grace is bigger than just forgiveness because Jesus never needed forgiveness. Does that make sense? That's the part of your experience that he has not experienced. Like when Nathan Renner was here, he shared that just because Jesus didn't experience falling to temptation doesn't mean that he doesn't understand what you go through when you go through a temptation. Just like whether it's harder for a person to bench press 300 pounds, those of you that are weightlifters, or if it's harder for them to attempt to bench press 300 pounds and fail. It's harder to actually do it. And Jesus actually conquered. Jesus actually had the victory. So he understands to an infinite degree what you go through in every single temptation. So Jesus is growing as a child. He's, he's getting taller. He's, he's getting more muscular. He's, he's beginning, imagine that day when he walked over to Joseph's carpenter shop and he said, Dad, I think I'm finally big enough and began to help Joseph in the carpenter shop. What would it be like to have Jesus as your son? To have Jesus there helping you with your business? I imagine that Joseph's business probably flourished. I imagine that Jesus, as he worked in the carpenter shop, he threw himself into it and he did the very best job possible. Imagine that that shop was filled with song. It was filled with joy. It was a place that people wanted to be because Jesus was there. But Jesus experienced life just like you and I do. Jesus grew in wisdom. He grew in grace. He was filled with wisdom. He was filled with grace. So that's the first 12 years of his life summarized. The first 10 years, or there's from the time he was two until he was 12. And then it, it comes to this moment where he goes to the temple at the, the Passover. And when he goes to the temple, he's beginning to understand more clearly his mission. A beautiful story there, but we won't get into it. At the end of that, that's maybe a, a week or so long. At the end of that story, we have the next 15 years of Jesus' life summarized in two more verses. Go down to verse 51. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them, but his mother kept all these things in her heart. And then verse 52. This is summarizing the next 15 years of Jesus' life. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Jesus increased. That's a phenomenal thing that the God of the universe limited Himself to your experience so that He too had to grow. He had to increase in His understanding, his, even His closeness, 
his ability to commune with the Father, all of those things he experienced in a way like you can experience. He grew in wisdom. He grew even in his favor with God. Now, the word their favor is the same word that we read earlier for grace. Grace and favor often used interchangeably, but the Greek word is charis or grace. But Jesus increased in his wisdom. He continued getting more wisdom for 15 more years. So now you have 27 years of Jesus' life, and he's increasing, he's growing in wisdom throughout this time period. And I think that this is here for a very significant purpose. It's here for a very good reason. And that is so that you and I don't think that we just can walk out the doors of this church and walk around like Jesus did for three and a half years and immediately start healing people because we believe in Jesus. Jesus himself grew in wisdom for 27 years before he was baptized at the age of 27. So what makes me think that I can just immediately do everything that that Jesus did? I can love people like Jesus did. I, too, need to grow in my relationship with the Father, just like Jesus grew in his relationship. Isn't it amazing that the thing that's emphasized to us about the majority of Christ's life the three and a half years that, that is, is focused on is, is really a small part of his life. But the majority of his life is summarized by this. Jesus grew. He increased. It kept becoming better and better and better. I want that for my life. Don't you? When we enter 2017, I want it to be better than 2016. As I reflect back on 2016, I'm thankful for all the things that God has done over 2016. But as I look forward to 2017, I think, God, I want 2017. I want to increase. I want to grow. I want to be closer to Jesus. I want to have more love for Jesus than ever before. And that's really the principle of the Christian life. It's a principle of growth. That's what in 2 Peter, go with me to 2 Peter chapter 3. This is a disciple of Jesus. He tells us that for our lives, we too are to grow. Very last verse of 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18 says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Grow. Peter says grow. The last thing that he has to say in writing this letter is grow. Just like Jesus, we need in our own lives to grow. Now, as I was getting older, I began to surpass in height first my dad and then eventually my brother, Do you think that was because I had set a goal to grow taller than my brother or my dad? (laughs) Some of you have probably tried to grow taller and it didn't work out. I can tell you that it actually doesn't work out because I came to this church and there's a guy here who you've probably noticed who's quite a bit taller than me. And when I first saw him actually at camp meeting, I felt like I needed to get on a step stool in order to stand next to him. I wanted to grow to get taller, but 
It hasn't worked out yet. I, I don't think I've been growing. But I remember as a, as a kid, I was so excited to go get the yardstick and put it up to the door frame and to, to put a mark by my head. And I would stand as, as straight as I possibly could. And I'd suck in air. I learned that from my brother. I'd suck in air to see how tall I could possibly get, get as straight as possible. How tall am I now, Mom? How tall am I? I was so excited to grow, to get taller but I really couldn't control that growth. And Jesus says the same thing for you and I. He says, don't worry about your life. He says, can you by worrying add even just one cubit to your height? No, worry isn't going to cause growth in our life. But there is something that will cause growth in our life. And the same thing that will cause growth in our life will also cause stunted growth should you neglect it. You see, we get used to just going along and maybe it's because we're human beings and we stop growing at a certain point and and that's it. We begin to, to atrophy as we get older and things begin to go the opposite direction and that's just the way life works. But not in God's kingdom. When Jesus tells parables, he tells parables about the mustard seed that's planted and it's tiny at first, but it grows bigger and bigger until it's so big that the birds of the air come and they nest in the branches. Or he tells the story about the man who plants seed at night and, or during the day and then he goes and during the night it begins to grow and he doesn't know how it grows, but it grows up. Jesus again and again used these parables that illustrated the kingdom of heaven by growth. He said, first it's the blade, then the ear, then the full head of grain. And then the harvest comes after that. Grow is the principle that Jesus gives again and again. But how does that growth take place? In my life, I grew because my mom fed me. Plain and simple. I had enough nutrition that my mom gave to me. Now, don't feel bad. I I don't want you to go home to your moms and say, hey, you didn't feed me. That must be why I'm shorter than Pastor Zach. That's not quite how it works. But there is a situation where we see in countries, like I'll put a picture up of a child in India. This child in India has been malnourished. And there's a lot of these babies who, because of malnourishment, they're going to have stunted growth. And that stunted growth leads to stunted cognitive development. It leads to to them never being able to fully develop. It leads to them living a shortened life that is not a quality life. To not have enough nutrition is dangerous to our physical bodies, but in the same way to our spiritual bodies. How was it that Jesus grew? You can take that picture down. How was it that Jesus grew? We can get an idea of how it was that he grew in that when Jesus was baptized and we finally begin to get a picture of his personality and what he has to say, actually even before that, when he goes to the temple when he's 12 years old, he knows more than the scribes already. And here he is just a 12-year-old. How did he get that knowledge? They're astounded because he wasn't in their schools. Jesus had been throwing himself into the Word of God. He'd been communing with the Father in prayer. He knew God because he'd taken steps of growth. That's why he was growing in wisdom. He was nourishing himself. And he uses that exact terminology of nourishment when he meets the devil in the wilderness. You remember it after the baptism. He's there in the wilderness and the devil appears to him and says, take these stones and make them into bread. 
Jesus doesn't respond by saying, well, I'm the Son of God. You can't tell me what to do. Instead, he responds, it is written. And then he quotes from Deuteronomy, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus says, it's through the word of God that you are nourished, that you grow, that you become strong. It's not through bread alone, but it's through the word of God. In fact, Peter says this in the letter of 1 Peter. Go with me to 1 Peter in chapter 2, here Jesus, Peter uses the analogy of a baby. You and I as Christians, when we're born again, we, we're just simply babies in our Christian walk. And our goal is to grow. Ephesians 4.13 says that we're to grow up into the full stature of Jesus. Let that sink in. God wants for you to grow up into the fullness of who Jesus is, who all of his loving character, all of that he wants to be a part of your life. We are to grow into that. And Peter gives us a clue as to how to do that. Verse 1 says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, and all evil speaking. Okay, so there's a a cutting out that has to happen. Things that that deter our growth in Christ. But then verse 2. Don't miss this. Verse 2 says, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. How do we grow? It's by desiring the pure milk of the Word. Those of you that have had children, what is it like when your child is hungry? Are they good at letting you know that they're hungry, that they need food? It's pretty obvious, right? They're not very good at hiding the fact that they're hungry. When they're desirous of food, you can tell it. They have this desperation, this cry. Maybe you don't know what the cry is for at first. But eventually you realize that this means they need nourishment because they're growing quickly and they need to eat often. Friends, in our Christian walk, Peter says, desire the pure milk of the Word that you may Grow thereby. As you have the Word in your life, it will lead you to grow. You also see in Jesus' life in Mark 1.35, it talks about how Jesus would often go off early in the morning by Himself to pray. Jesus grew through communion with the Father in prayer and in the Word. So on New Year's Eve, Facing a brand new year, 2017, Lee and I have been talking about what is 2017 going to be like? I've been evaluating in my own life saying, what is 2017 going to hold? And I realized that I have a tendency to begin to just coast in my spiritual walk. You know what it's like. Maybe you're used to, well, I read the Sabbath school lesson every morning and then I go to church on Sabbath and that's it. Or maybe, maybe you go to a prayer meeting and you have a prayer partner, but then you go to church every once in a while. I don't know what your experience is, but I know this for a fact, that the principle of the kingdom of heaven is growth in your life, that God wants you to grow closer to Jesus, that he wants your love to abound still more and more, what it says in Philippians 1.9. 
I love what it says in the Review and Herald, February 7, 1957. It says, There is nothing in the natural world that has life but what grows and produces fruit. And in the spiritual world, there is no life without growth in grace. There is to be growth in grace that is a constant progress and improvement. Christian Education, page 122. And one more. The Christian life is never at a standstill. If a relationship is at a standstill, we're in trouble. When, when your body begins to atrophy, there's trouble there. That's a serious disease that, that leads us to mourn for a person. It is, it must be progressive. Our love for Christ should become stronger and stronger. My desire for 2017 is that we would grow in Christ. That we would grow closer and closer and more and more intimate with Christ. Zach forgot to include the part of his story that why his dad was beaming with pride was that the huge linebacker from the Denver Broncos baby weighed seven and a half pounds when his baby came out a 10-pounder. So that, that has given him pride for many, many, many years to come. Well, you know, God has really taken me on a journey of wanting more in my life with Jesus. I was converted when I was in high school, when I was 16 years old, by starting to spend time with Jesus, just the basic things that Zach was talking about, asking God to wake me up early in the morning, reading the Bible, even though it was only just a little bit to start with, praying, seeing God answer, and then just starting to get involved. It was those simple three things that sometimes people call the three legs of the stool, but that's what caused my growth. At 16, 17 years old, I was passionate about Jesus. I was seeing God answer prayer. I was enjoying the Bible. I was starting to get into it, probably like many of you. As the years go by, you can kind of get into a rut. You can kind of, you know, simmer down a little bit, and then God re-inspires you, and then maybe you kind of fall into a rut again. And I've noticed that over and over, God doesn't want us to stay stagnant. He's not happy with us just continuing doing the same things we were doing 10 years ago, but God wants us to do more. God wants to take us deeper. And I just want to share experience. This has happened many times to me before throughout the years, but recently, just the first week of December, Zach was asked to be on this Revival and Reformation Committee back at the General Conference maybe a year ago. And so that requires him to fly to Maryland once a quarter for one day, be a part of Revival and Reformation meetings that focus on how can we inspire our entire world church to know Jesus better. How can we inspire revival? How can we seek to help people really experience reformation in their life? So he always goes by himself one day a quarter, But in December, they were having more of a planning and prayer retreat that they wanted to invite all of the wives to come as well. And so it was just the week after Thanksgiving, and I was tired. I'll be honest, I didn't want to go. I had been sick during Thanksgiving. I had a cold, and I don't know about you, but I don't really like to travel on airplanes when your ears are totally plugged and you just feel awful. And in addition to that, I was so bummed about missing Sabbath. I feel so bad if we miss a Sabbath here. And so I wasn't looking forward to going, but our ticket was already bought. And Zach wanted me to go. His parents were going to be there. They wanted me to go. And so I went. And, you know, sometimes you think, oh, I'm just going to go to attend the 10 days of prayer because I know I should, or I'm just going to go to support that, or I'm going to go to help or whatever. But God knew that I needed to be there because as I was there over those few days, 
the whole gist of the meeting was we're going to just spend time praying together, asking God what we should do for revival and reformation. We don't have a lot of plans. We're not just going to take everyone's ideas, but we're just going to pray and seek God together as a group. And we're going to see what God will do. And all of Thursday evening, we just spent time praying together. And I'm a person that I actually, if it's really, really long prayer time, sometimes I get bored or sometimes I feel sleepy, but we just prayed together all that Thursday evening. And Friday we came together, we had worship in the beginning, and then there was just another long season of prayer. Wednesday or Friday night we did the same thing. And by Sabbath, God was really starting to stir in my heart. And actually the week before, right before Thanksgiving, I had mentioned to Zach, I said, I feel like we're just kind of stuck. I feel like we're just sort of in a rut. We've been here for a year and a half. God's done all these things. You know, the whole list was on the screen today. I said, but I feel like we're just kind of stuck. I feel like God wants to do something else, but I just don't know what to do. I don't know what God's vision is. I don't know what the next step should be, but I I don't know. I just don't feel satisfied with where we're at right now. And as we were there at the Revival and Reformation Committee, just maybe a week later from me saying that, God was just starting to show me exactly what I needed to get out of the rut. He started to show me that what you're experiencing here is exactly what you need to do back home. Sabbath morning there at the retreat, Pavel Goya, many of you have heard him share before, maybe you've read his book, One Miracle After Another. He started to share about how God had taken him on a journey to go deeper and to grow more and to be a better pastor. And as he shared his testimony, he was sharing that here he is, a pastor of a very wealthy church in Kentucky. People come week after week, but they really don't have any life or energy. They didn't want to do evangelism. They didn't want to do much. But God took him on a journey of going deeper himself. Every morning, committing to spending that personal time with God. Every morning, committing to spending prayer time with his wife, praying specifically for their church. And as they did that, it didn't just happen in a week or two weeks or even a few months. But over the years, God has radically changed his life. And God has radically changed that church. Just their evangelism budget alone is like $80,000 a year because the church is so committed to reaching the community. They're having to start multiple services because they have so many people packing into their church every week. God has worked out incredible miracles for them to be able to have their own radio station right there. So many things that only came as he prayed together. And so as I was there and I was hearing all of this, God was just stirring in my heart that this is what I want for you. Yes, you already wake up in the morning and have your worship. Yes, you have a prayer partner. Yes, you do outreach, all these things. But I'm not satisfied with just that. I want something more. And so God was just really working on my heart. And as I heard Pavel share, God started to show me, this is what you need to do. And so I talked to Zach, and he was almost in tears because he's been praying for a long time that I would be willing in the morning to pray with him for a long period of time, specifically about the church. And while we were there, God just showed me, that's what I want you to do. And so for the last three weeks, we've been meeting every morning for an hour, praying specifically for the church, praying for you, praying for God to work in our hearts, praying for revival to spring up, claiming promises. And it has been so powerful to me. While we were there, you know, God was just working in my heart about other things besides just spending more time with him. And I just noticed that as I cry out for more, God can do so much in my life. God can give me peace about the stuff I'm struggling with. God can give me victory. God can answer my prayers. God can do so much if I won't just be content with where I'm at, but if I'll push forward for more. I love the verse in Hosea, Hosea chapter 6. It says, let us press on to know the Lord. 
Let us press on. Some of you I know have been in church your whole life, 50 years, 60 years, but I believe even for you, God wants something more. God wants to take us deeper. God wants to help us experience more of him than we have before. And this year, I don't know about you, but that's what I'm craving most of all. I have some other goals. I know many of our goals usually come in the form of wanting to eat better, exercise more, those things. But my deepest desire this year is to really press on to know Jesus, to get to know him more, to experience more of him, to experience more victories. Just this last year, God has won a really special victory in my life. And it's really a whole message in itself. So maybe I'll share it another time. But God is so able The more we press close to him, the more we long for him to do in our life, the more he's able to do. I want to just share a few practical things because if you're like me, maybe you have that desire in your heart, but you're wondering how. Tell us how. So that's what I want to focus on as we finish up here. Um, We're going to put a slide on the screen that has just a few very practical things that have helped us grow in our relationship with Jesus, that have pushed us further. You want to go on to the next one? All right, here you go. If you have a smartphone, you want to take a picture of this slide, you're welcome to do that if you want to write it down in your bulletin. Number one, we've listed here, uversion.com. This is a app that you can get on your phone. It's just called Uversion. Go to the App Store, Android Store, put in Uversion Bible. You can have this app read the Bible to you. You can put a Bible reading plan that'll help you throughout the year to get through the Bible. I remember the first time before I even had a smartphone, I decided I wanted to read through the Bible. So I went online and I printed out this piece of paper. And each day as I would read the chapters, I would check it off. But then I kind of got distracted. And then I'd come back to it. And then I would really fall behind. It took me like three years to complete that Bible reading plan. But when I finished it, it inspired me. This is so powerful. I just read through the whole Bible. I can do it again. And in years past, I think I've done it about three or four times, and I'm going to be doing it again this year. But it's so amazing. You can click on, when you download the app, there's a little place you can click plans. And you can choose a blended reading plan that'll give you some of the New Testament, some of the Old Testament each day. You can choose through the Bible that'll just give you Genesis to Revelation, four chapters a day. As you read it, you just click, it checks off for you. It tells you the percentage of Um, how much you've read throughout the year. There's chronological reading plans. I think I'm going to do that one this time. There's so many plans that just help you stay on track. If you're like me, you say, I'm going to exercise six days a week, every week. And by week one, you've kind of fallen off the train. Maybe that's happened to you before. These things are just little practical tools that are right there for you, real easy to use. Again, it'll even read to you if you want, and that'll help you. Um, believehisprophets.org and Revival and Reformation. This is a way to get a daily Bible reading emailed to you as well as a daily devotional from one of Ellen White's books. And I'm going to actually ask Jan to come forward. I know many of you have been taking part in this. This is an initiative by the Revival and Reformation uh, Committee from the General Conference. And the idea was we want our people to be more in the Bible and more in Ellen White's writings. And so... All throughout um, the last few years, different ones of you in our own church and different people around the world have signed up to say, I want to be a part of this plan. Email me a chapter every day. Email me the reading. And it's really helped. And Jan's actually been doing it for the last couple of years. And she was just telling me the other night what a blessing it was. So I wanted her to share that with you. Okay. How many of you have a phone? Okay. And how many of you is your phone probably within 20 feet of you every day, all day long. Perfect. This will work. 
about a year ago, I think it was, is when I heard about Revival and Reformation. And it, well, like Leah was saying, every morning, if you sign up for it, they send you an email. And you can uh, not only read, but listen. Well, that's been a blessing for me because I always remember how we're told that we're accountable for our time and how we spend it. So when you're driving to work, when you're getting ready in the morning, all these things make a difference in your time. And so I just want to read from uh, Adventist Review. It says, Make good use of time if thou lovest eternity. Yesterday cannot be recalled. Tomorrow cannot be secured. Today only is thine, which, if once lost, is lost forever. My challenge to you is that you sign up for Revival and Reformation, that you use it every day while you're getting ready, while you're driving to work, while you're doing anything. It's really been a blessing in my life, and I challenge you to do the same. Thank you. We just finished this week, Patriarchs and Prophets. So 73 chapters in that book gives you a chapter a week. Just finished it. And so if you're wanting to join this plan, it's really a perfect time because starting tomorrow... They will email to you the next chapter, which is chapter one of Prophets and Kings. So you're really catching this at a great time because it's the beginning of a new book. And again, one chapter a week from Ellen White's writings and a chapter a day from the Bible. So you can sign up on revivalandreformation.org and put in your information. They will send it to you. Then a couple of books that I just wanted to recommend. Um, This would be in addition to your personal reading time from the Bible, but Lee Vinden's book, It's All About Him, is a powerful book, practical book about growing in your relationship with Jesus. He was converted as a teenager. His father was converted as a young pastor, and all throughout both of their ministries, they've come down to one thing. It's all about knowing him. And so this book just goes chapter by chapter, how to know Jesus. If it's a new thing for you, if you're like, I'd like to, but I'm not sure how, this is a powerful resource. You can get it on Adventist uh, bookcenter.com or you can get it on Amazon as well. You can get the Kindle version very cheap. Um, also, Mark Finley has a book out, Revive Us Again. I know many of you already have this book. If you don't have it, you're welcome to come to 10 Days of Prayer that's starting here. Just in a few days, we'll be giving it out to anyone that attends there that doesn't have it. But again, powerful inspiration. Sometimes you kind of need that push. You have that desire, but you kind of need the push. And at the same time, you also need to know how. This little book is tiny, but it's power-packed full of stories that inspire revival, that kind of push you forward. Um, 10 days of prayer, powerful time to join in January 11 to 20. Next Sabbath, we'll have a lot more details about that prayer meeting. And then if you don't have a prayer partner, I will tell you having a prayer partner is probably one of the greatest blessings in my life. Being able to pray together, being able to support each other. I mean, so many times this year, I don't know where I would be if I didn't have a prayer partner that I could call, that I could text, that I could say, please pray for me right now. Getting together once a week has been the most encouraging, most inspiring time of my whole year. So I can't encourage you enough. Pray that God will bring the right person to you. Ask someone if they'll join you in praying together, but bar none, one of the biggest blessings in my life. And then lastly, get involved in ministry. You know, when I was 16 years old, I was spending that time with Jesus, just a little bit of time every morning, but I think one of the things that grew me the most is when the youth pastor at church, when the Bible teacher at school, when people started calling on me to, hey, will you help us with this? Can you come help us at this prayer conference? Zach's mom dragging me into things at camp meeting. Will you help me in the prayer room? Will you help me up front? Will you help me with different things? God uses these simple things 
prayer, more time in his word, sharing what we experience with others to help us grow. That's what God wants for us this year. My heart's desire is that we will know him more. There's nothing else that matters more. It's good if we become more fit this year. It's good if we get a better diet. It's good if we're better managers of our money. But the most important thing is to know Jesus. And that's my prayer. You notice how there's a common theme when it comes to growing in Christ. There are things that have to do with uniting us with Jesus. There's a reason for that. Um, something that I've observed in my own life, something it's good to have Monica here today. I don't want to put you on the spot, but Monica came to Teen Bible Academy, and uh, some uh, Slade's here too. Slade came to Teen Bible Academy. Maybe some of the rest of you here came to Teen Bible Academy as well. But when I first started getting involved in ministry, I found out about this program called Teen Bible Academy. My first exposure to it was all of the students from the past year would come around and they'd hang out with a group of uh, young adults who were doing ministry that I was hanging out with. Now, they're all teenagers, but they weren't the normal teenagers. They would come up to them and they would just be talking about God and they were so happy. They were such, so different than most teenagers that I knew at that point in time. I thought, man, how did these kids get it? I wish that when I was a teenager... I had got it like these kids get it. Now, as I watched them through the rest of the year, some of them kept getting it, and some of them, it kind of faded for them a little bit. But when it came around to Teen Bible Academy that next summer, I thought, I've got to find out what happens at Teen Bible Academy that changes people's lives. It's only a three-week summer program for high school students. How does it so radically change lives? Well, I got to observe it that first year, and the first week was a backpacking trip, and we went backpacking, took the kids out. We found this place, a place that was far enough out where we could send the kids out and just have them take their Bible, have them take a prayer journal with them, and give them little practical tips about reading their Bible, about prayer. And at first, we'd send them out for five minutes, then 10 minutes, then it was 20 minutes, then it was 30 minutes. By the end, we sent them out for two hours long. I remember thinking, These are, what difference is this going to make? How, how is this going to change their life? But it was amazing when they'd come back and we'd have a little debriefing time and they'd begin to share. God showed me that even though my dad left me as a child, that he is my everlasting father. I just opened up my Bible and it went right to those pages and began to see radical transformation happening in kids' lives. Kids who said, I didn't believe in God, but I asked God to show me that He was real. And sometimes it was through even just the things of nature that they would see how real God was. Then the next week was a week where we focused on Bible study. For an entire week, we took them into the classroom and began going through different parts of the Bible and just giving a solid foundation of Bible study. Like Peter said, desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. As during that week they dove into scripture, you began to see the kids growing and they, their, their desires were changing. Even when they'd come back from the mountains and they'd be in Taco Bell, they'd be like, what is this music over the radio? I don't, even though they were usually listening to all kinds of different types of music, it suddenly sounded like a cacophony to them compared to that experience that they'd had with God out there. 
Then the final week, we'd take him out and we did service. We went and washed cars for free and fed the homeless and did all different kinds of fun things. And by the end of those three weeks, radical change takes place in so many kids' lives. It's an incredible thing that happens. But the interesting thing is that a few months later or even sometimes years later, you'll meet one of them and you'll say, so how's it going? And sometimes they would still be having an amazing experience. I think of Alyssa Fitting, who today she's working up at Souls Northwest. She's been, it was because of Teen Bible Academy and Girls Retreat that God radically shifted her life. Then there there are some others who say, I don't know what happened. It just, Teen Bible Academy was great. I'm going to go back to Teen Bible Academy. They go back and have another good experience, but then it fades. Why? Because there are certain elements that nourish our spiritual life. And those are things that specifically connect us with God. Bible study, prayer, and service. When we saturate our lives with those things, when we increase the dosage of those things in our life for the purpose of knowing Jesus more, it leads to growth. Just like in your backyard. So this back, our backyard, this past year, our sprinklers broke. And uh, all the grass died in the backyard. If you don't have that nourishment, if you don't have the water there, the grass is going to die. It's okay because it's a really tiny backyard. But the trees there continue to grow because they have roots that go down deep and they're able to pull that nourishment up. It's the same in our spiritual walk. In closing, I'd like to just share one final quote from the book, Steps to Christ. By the way, if you're really wanting to grow in 2017, Steps to Christ is an amazing book to read. And if you want just one chapter to try out, to read this afternoon, read the chapter Growing up in Christ. And it just talks about what we've talked about this morning, but in such much more beautiful language. But here, just just a little snippet of it. Page 67, it says, The plants and flowers grow not by their own care or anxiety or effort, but by receiving that which God has furnished to minister to their life. They don't just determine they do it on their own, but God gives them what they need to grow. The child cannot by any anxiety or power of its own add to its stature. No more can you, by anxiety or effort of yourself, secure spiritual growth. The plant, the child, grows by receiving from its surroundings that which ministers to its life, air, sunshine, and food. Our growth in grace, our joy. Do you want to have a joyful 2017? Do you want to have a happy new year? Our growth in grace, our growth in joy, our usefulness, all depend upon our union with Christ. That's where our striving has to be. We, don't, we can't change who we are, but we can pursue Jesus with all our hearts. It is by communion with Him, daily, hourly, by abiding in Him, that we are to grow in grace. He is not only the author, but the finisher of our faith. It is Christ first and last and always. He is to be with us, not only at the beginning and the end of our course, but at every step of the way. Friends, let 2017 be the year where you pursue Jesus with your whole heart, where you're radically obsessed 
with a connection, a union with Jesus, and you're willing to do whatever it takes, willing to cut out anything out of your life in order to pursue that connection, in order to pursue that pure milk of the Word that will nourish your souls, in order to pursue that connection with heaven through prayer that will bring that grace into your life, in order to experience walking in the footsteps of Jesus by serving. Friends, let 2017 be a year of growth. This may be your first time here in this church. Or you may have been here for 70 years. I don't know what your story is as you sit here this morning, but I know for certain what God wants for you next year, and that is growth in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. In closing, I would like just for us to to take a moment to pray for each other. As we enter 2017, we want to make commitments, we want to make uh, goals and resolutions, but we know how quickly those can fail in our own strength. But I want for us to pray for each other that God will strengthen us to pursue Him more in 2017 than ever before. Revival is better than anything else. It fills our hearts with joy. It fills our hearts with love. It fills our hearts with everything that we need. So I'd just like for you to turn to somebody around you. It can be your spouse or it could be somebody else next to you. That might be a, a, a growth experience for you. And just to take a moment to pray. If we could get those uh, different items that we li- Leah listed up on the screen and just pray for them, that God will lead them to the exact things that He wants for their life, the exact specific goals or objectives for this coming year that they can pursue to draw closer to Jesus. So just pray for the person next to you. It can be a simple prayer saying, Jesus, grow my friend in, in you this coming year. Go ahead and pray with the person next to you. Father, I want to thank you so much that this Sabbath is just the day before the new year. The timing of it this year just seems so significant. And Father, I thank you for the things that we've heard today. I thank you for the ways that your Spirit has been working on our heart to inspire us for growth, to inspire revival in our heart, to inspire us to want something more. And God, I want to pray that the rest of our afternoon and evening would not diminish this desire in our heart, but that you would wake us up early tomorrow morning that you would help us to stay firm in the commitments that we make. We know our promises are like ropes of sand, so give us strength when we're weak. But Father, help us determine even now that we will pursue a knowledge of God. I just pray right now for each person here that this year would be so full and so rich, that our experience with you would grow and deepen and develop. And I want to thank you, Father, for bringing each person here. I believe that you have amazing plans for us beyond what we can even imagine. So bless us, Lord. Take us deeper. Take us higher. In Jesus' name, amen.